Welcome to The Odds Pod, I'm Dave Hendrick. And I'm Ben Hennessy, and we're the team behind the Scout Comics title, The Odds. A bry look at everyday life through the jaundiced eye of a hideously mutated side of beef that asks you to consider life's important questions. Questions like, why? Dear God, why? As we're soon to share our favourite apocalypse story with you, we thought it'd be fun to ask some cool folks to share theirs with us. Be it a quest for those non-existent, perfect tailor tickets, a voyage through time to right a terrible wrong, or just plain old reliable brain munching zombies, we're on a quest to get to entropy, fangirl about finality, and obsess over oblivion. So today's guest, he's a writer who rose through the ranks of the indie scene with hits like Gunner Magic, The Wailing Blade, and Happy Hill, as well as working on Boom's Magic the Gathering series and Marvel's Unlimited Comics. He's even been known to fly around a little town called Metropolis on occasion. His work is versatile, sincere, and occasionally terrifying. He is Mr. Rich Dewick. Rich, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> Great to have you, man. Great to be here. Yeah. yeah. How yeah. did we find you? Are you in good, good form? Uh, how, you find me out uh, on Twitter. Metaphorical at, life. Oh, life. Like I said, how are we keeping? Oh, sorry, did I go a little oh, bit colloquial there? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. That's. Uh, that's, yeah, that's just my misunderstanding. My bad. Uh, no, that, that's me. Sorry, uh, I, I should no, have been no, a bit no. more, uh, a bit more universal there. Be, be a little less Irish there, Ben. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard. It's hard. I know it's hard too. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm I'm doing really well. Um, you know, hard at work, uh, making the comics, and uh, yeah, things are things are are pretty good. So it's been it's been a busy enough year so far for you, Rich. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we had a Magic Gathering earlier this year, and then uh, a series called uh, Breath of Shadows that I put out with IDW. That um, was uh, it's kind of like the third piece in a in a horror trilogy we've been doing over there, starting yeah. with uh, Road of Bones and Sea of Sorrows. Yeah, um, yeah, and then yeah, and then a couple of like odds and ends here and there. Like in the very beginning of the year, I got to do a. Uh, a Kang story from Marvel. It's like a digital story. Amazing. Uh, just basically, uh, it was called Who is Kang? It's basically like if you uh, went and saw Quantumania and you were wondering who that who, who that guy with the blue face was, uh, yeah. what, what's his history in the comics? It was like a little, little digital primer for people, but it was a lot of fun to write. Nice. So, so you had to condense, you know, what, 40 years, 40, 50 years worth of Kang history into... Sounds easy. Yeah. And pages. believe me, as far as as far as characters go, Kang has a more convoluted history than most. Yeah. Uh, so uh so yeah, it was a challenge, but it was a it was a really fun challenge. And I got to read a lot of great uh older comics to kind of brush up on my my own understanding of uh you know what the character is all about and all yeah. the crazy adventures he's been on. Yeah, I, I first got to grips with Kang in Secret Wars, like I, I mm-hmm. suppose that was probably uh, you're you're around the same vintage as me, so so I'd say you were you were picking that off the shelf when 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 it came came through. But sure. uh, yeah, I mean back then he was like to me he was like who's this weirdo in the tunic with the thigh highs? Like it was like <laughs> what's going on? And then and it doesn't really get explained in Secret Wars because Secret Wars was just like here's here's a guy buy his action figure, you know? And, yeah. And I did. <laughs> I bought them all, but, <laughs> or my parents did. I say, but um, but then when you get into who he is, you know, later on, and certainly through the Busiek stuff, um, wow, man, he's he's some character. Yeah, he is. Yeah, um, so fair play to you. 
or like pulling that, that sounds together. like something you're pretty good at though rich and even in your kind of creator own stuff like like road of bones like mm-hmm. you get into the history of things and then you kind of create yeah. your own, like did you find that was a similar process with with kang or was that like you know a different kind of take on studying up on someone altogether no, I think, I mean, definitely similar in, in like, you know, studying up and, and trying to get like the details right. But also like, you, you know, I think when you're, when you do something that is tied to, to history, it's like, you, you really do kind of have to, um, you have to edit, you know, you have to kind of decide like what you're going to, what you're going to keep, what you're going to leave out, what you're going to emphasize, what you're going to maybe de-emphasize, like, you know, um, in the case of like, uh, like Road of Bones, let's say, like I was, you know, there's a lot more that I could have um, done as far as like the situation, like in the actual, um, you know, the Gulag camps. Mm-hmm. Uh, Road of Bones, yeah. for anyone who doesn't know, is, is a, it's a prison break story set in uh, Siberia in the 1950s. So it's like in, in the Russian uh, prison camps. So, you know, there's a lot, a lot of interesting stuff that went on there as far as like different factions you know, uh, the, the Russian underworld, like fighting each other and then the political prisoners. And there's a lot I could have gone into, but the the real story was like the prison break and took place out on the tundra. So, so a lot of that stuff I had to really be selective about what I kept in. Um, and whereas it's like something like Kang, you know, you are talking like a 40 year history and not all of it is like, you know, uh, very iconic or great, like, you know, not, to say that um, anybody did like a terrible job, but there are definitely like a lot of stories that are less consequential to who the character is now, you know? So it's like, if they're not really relevant, then they kind of either got um, maybe like kind of just touched on in like a panel or like maybe in, you know, a piece of like the background art, maybe, you know, sort of like in an Easter egg kind of way, or just, you know, we just don't talk about that part of Kang's life, you know? Yeah. Because it's really just sort of about like figuring out like what parts of the history are, are relevant to inform the story you want to tell. So it is like pretty similar, actually. Cool. Is that is that a process you enjoy? Then you must if you're kind of taking into your creator own stuff that that kind of. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love I love I love just like learning about things in general. Like I'm the type of person who could get like lost on like Wikipedia for like you know, hours and then wind up like ordering books because of the stuff I read there. So I just love like, yeah, like learning about things and, uh, you know, history is, you know, one thing, but also just like, just in general, like I like, I like just doing research and stuff like that. So it's always a big part of any book I do. What was the draw with the original story that wrote of bounds? Like what, with the, with the prison break, what, what drew you in from the, the, the real story there? When I was doing Road of Bones initially, I, I just uh, was trying to research doing a some type of prison break story because I really enjoyed prison break stories. And um, the, I thought it was going to be maybe like a sci-fi book or a fantasy book or something because up until that point, the two books I had done were Gutter Magic and Welling Blade, which were very much um, just rooted in like fantasy. Um, but the more I delved into it, the more I was like, this is like a really compelling story on its own. And it kind of doesn't need too much of like a fantastical 
um, element of like, you know, bringing it to like a different world or bringing it to something like that. I was like, you know, the story of like what, um, what these prisoners went through in the gulag was just like, it was just like shocking to me and, um, horrific. And I was like, and I'd never had really heard that story before. Like, uh, you know, the books I was reading about it, um, one was called the gulag archipelago. The other one was uh day in the life of Ivan Denisovich. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but uh, just the more I read, the more I was like, you know, there's a, there's a compelling story here that I haven't heard told before. Like, uh, maybe that's just part of uh, growing up in America where I did. Like, I don't know if it's much more well-known um, in Russia or Eastern Europe or things like that. But just um, I had never encountered it before. So I just found it really compelling and decided to take a stab at just writing it. Um just in that real world setting. Yeah. And it, it, it definitely pays off. Like it, 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 that real element just adds another layer when, when the horror hits as well, yeah. you know? So it's, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's, th uh, there's a couple of very intense moments in there where they're in the gulag and we're seeing how horrible life is in the gulag. And then we're seeing how horrible yeah. life is escaping the gulag. <laughs> and then yeah. there's this horror element that's just horror. It's just just horrible yeah. uh, altogether. It's it is one of those few comic books. Um, and I think I said something similar to to Dave here about the odds and the John Lee's about about his work and mm -hmm. like it's tough for comic books to really I, I find to really hit that creep level. Um, but like yeah. in in your kind of Cornetto trilogy with Alice Cormac of, of horror, like you've done it three times in a row, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And and I know from a previous interview, you did like you you kind of spend like you were talking about like um, uh, gutter magic and Wedding Blade there. Or that's that's where you kind of spent a lot of your time. Um, Sci-fi specifically was a favorite of yours, but you kind of spent a lot of your time here in horror, and that wasn't your intention. What what made you stay around with horror and and for someone who wasn't maybe so intentionally going for that, like, like what was your skill set involved? Because you've really nailed it. Yeah, I mean, I, believe me, I'm I'm as surprised as anybody <laughs> because uh, if you had asked me like uh, the year before I started on Road of Bones, if you had asked me like, hey, do you uh, do you have any interest in writing horror? Do you think you'd be a good horror writer? I'd be like not particularly like I didn't have anything against it. I just didn't really kind of see myself in that light. Um, but I'm, I'm really good friends with John, uh, John Lee's who you mentioned. Um, and he, he, he does amazing horror stuff with Alex with yeah, uh, sink and, and a lot of his other books. And, um, I think kind of seeing what he was doing and talking to him and talking to Alex kind of just, uh, inspired me to like, give it a shot, you know, and it turns out that, uh, I enjoyed it and was good at it. So I saw no reason to stop, cool. <laughs> you know, it's almost like, you know, learning how to use like a new tool or something, and then you've got it in your toolbox. So, you know, yeah. it's like, it's, uh, it's not that I, uh, abandoned doing sci-fi or fantasy. I actually have like a few projects in the pipeline, like, that are um, very much in those genres and, and not horror at all, but it's definitely something that like I really discovered that I enjoyed because it allowed me to uh, 
explore like a lot of um, maybe darker themes that I wouldn't have been able to explore in, in different genres, you know, or at least not in the same way. Cool. So I just kind of kind of took to it. Yeah, it's it's a great it's a great genre to have fun in and to play with, but I think it's 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 very deceptive because you you can have so much fun, but to be good at it takes a lot mm-hmm. of work. I think it, take, it takes a huge amount of work. And yourself and John like are just coming through as kind of masters of horror at the moment, like and and, and it's brilliant. Um, but you can see where you've you've put the hours in, you know. Um, <laughs> and then to make it work in a comic, which you know the 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 mechanics of comics. Mm-hmm. you know down to you know the 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 width of of a particular panel or the page turn which is your effective jump scare you know that that that's that's a really mathematical process i think as well and and you can see that yeah. come through and alex is a great partner for that i think as well yeah. so yeah no it's 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 um yeah it really pays off man and is this is this it then is this is this third book then that's that's the end of of this particular story uh, yeah, for now. Yeah. Um, for now, okay. I'm not going. I'm not going to say that I'm never going to do something like that again, or that you know, in that we, world. I mean, in that yeah, or in that vein. But mm-hmm. I think it's like we're very happy with that. Those three works kind of like sitting together as a trilogy. So even if we were going to do like another historical horror thing, I think it would probably be we'd be looking for maybe a new twist on it or like a different way different take or something cool cool and was there anything in the in, i suppose in the 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 russian folklore side of things that in it like was there was there any particular draw there for you or was it was it just that you know as a fan of folklore as a fan of stories you found this particular one because like you know if you look at our scene our indigenous scene in ireland there's mm-hmm. like for every creator here there's an Irish folklore comic book, I think, you know, like everyone has their, <laughs> their take on Cuchulain or mm-hmm. uh, the Tawn or, or whatever, you know, um, what like with, with Road of Bones and the kind of the, the, the Russian side of things, the Russian folklore, was there, was there any particular connection there um, to you or were you just kind of, this is a great story. I'm going to, I'm going to mine it for what it's worth. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, a little bit of both. Uh, I have like, um, on my on my mother's side of the family, um, my grandparents came from uh, like uh, Russia and Poland and and just like Eastern Europe in general. So, cool. so there's a bit um, of an affinity with it because it does yeah. feel that way in the in the book. You know, it does feel like there's something there yeah, you know? or something. Yeah, I totally. Agree. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely like a cultural affinity for it, and and just like things that you know. Um, even even down to kind of like you know just kind of I, I, like things like uh, there's like a very particular kind of like russian sense of humor that's like a little bit black and dark that i had like you know direct experience with with like relatives and i tried to get that in there too you know nice. uh just with like what the characters themselves find mm-hmm. like very bleakly funny yeah, because there, there's a sincerity to it and to the dialogue then as well, and and yeah. I think that goes a long way when you're you know when you're coming in cold to a story you know from from maybe like you know with cultural references that you know somebody of my background wouldn't particularly be familiar with you know but then mm-hmm. you can read it mm-hmm. and and you know the writer takes you there and you you bring us 
bring us there and you get us get us comfortable well you know what i mean um not particularly comfortable <laughs> yeah, but you know, <laughs> introduce us to the to the themes yeah. without without too much hassle you know and that, i think that's that's pretty cool you know um it does it does really like it really helps with with telling a story so speaking of stories we'll get to that point in the evening where we ask you the big question i think ben's going to ask you the question this time yeah, I sure am. Uh, Rich, so around this point of the episode, we always ask everyone, what is their favorite apocalypse? So I'm going to add that question to you now. What is your favorite apocalypse? Uh, so yeah, this is one I, I kind of encountered uh, fairly recently, just with all the talk over um, AI and kind of the implications of, you know, it becoming more widely spread. And um, I'm probably messing up the metaphor, but we're, we're going to call it kind of like... Uh, We'll refer to it as the paperclip apocalypse. Um, okay. Basically, <laughs> just the whole the whole crux of it is that like um, that if it was like unregulated, like an AI would just like like if you told it like oh, I'm just going to make an AI uh, that's going to make paperclips, um, and, and that's like all all it does. It's like its whole reason for being is just to make paperclips. So like the AI could potentially uh, like that's, that's the only thing it wants. So it will just generally see anything that is not in service to it making paper clips as like a barrier to its efficiency. So it'll just start taking over more and more things until every resource in the planet, it, it it's basically destroyed it or turned it into paper clips. So like, you know, <laughs> Like it, it's like, oh, this factory is uh, making paper. It's like, well, we could use you could use the metal in that factory for the paper clips. So we're gonna, you know, gonna send my robots in and, uh, you know, um, go and and we're gonna we're gonna render all the metal down there and, and turn that into paper clips. And then, uh, oh no, the army's trying to stop me because I'm like, you know, killing people uh, to to get you know to use their. Uh, you know, the, there are resources from a paperclip factory. So, okay, well, the army's got to go. Uh, people got to go just in general, just, you know, and we, it would just be like, uh, so, so, yeah. Like, so how do we prevent this, this paperclip apocalypse? Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's hard to say. <laughs> it's hard to say because it's just, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe like um, make, make AI developers watch, terminator until they realize that uh, how have they not you know seen it's terminator. not a good idea <laughs> like all these well, look, all this stuff yeah. that's coming through from ai and you're like did nobody watch terminator come on mm. you know yeah it's it's just the, yeah like the thing that the thing that I, I i love the reason why i would say it's my current favorite end of the world scenario is it's just because it has this very kind of like i want to say like like almost like terry pratchett feel to it of yeah, like, yeah. of course, of course, that's how the world ends, or like yeah. even like a Kurt Vonnegut kind of thing, just like, just like a very simple, well-meaning act of human stupidity, yeah, just <laughs> wipes us all out in, like, in the well, service like, of banal things, yeah, yeah. exactly. And like, or it's like, like the, the only Adams. way. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, go for it. I, I was, was just talking say, over there. I was just gonna say, like Douglas Adams is another one. Like, this is like a very hitchhiker's guide way to like end and the universe of you know like in hitchhikers it was like uh which is probably my previous favorite before i encountered this one is just that they blew up the world to like make way for like an intergalactic uh highway basically yeah. <laughs> um you know 
I think there's just something very uh, deeply kind of like funny about the whole idea. I, I, I think the twist at the end must be when they run out of metal, right? And then they look at each other and yeah. realize they're made of metal. And now they have to make paper clips out of one another, you know? And then there's only yeah. one of them left. And then he has to make paper clips out of himself. Yeah. Just, yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or it's like uh, it's already converted all of Earth. And then it looks outward and it's like, oh, hey, <laughs> there's metal on that planet. Let's go there. And, and it just like takes over the entire universe. Like, <laughs> I really want to see the paperclip rocket ship. That'd be awesome. Yeah. A spaceship made of paperclips. Running yeah. on paperclips too. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's plausible. It's as plausible as anything that's trying to kill us all right now, you know? So like, I, yeah, yeah I could, I could, I could see it happen, you know? I think it's, um, yeah, it's just like the short sightedness of like kind of having technology moving at like breakneck speed and nobody really considering like, the long-term implications of like, you know, what we're doing. Well, who's so. writing this code? You know, like, you know, you had yeah. the dude, you had the dude from Google, like about, about three or four weeks ago, the kind of godfather of AI guy. Yeah. He, George he's, or Glenn something. Yeah. He's, he stepped down and he was like, no, I think we've gone too far. Nobody could have foreseen this. Mm-hmm. It was, and it was like, watch Terminator. It came out <laughs> in 1984. Yeah. Nobody could have foreseen it. I think James Cameron did, you know? Yeah. Um, like, come on! It, it it's uh, yeah. I mean, and then then you, there's 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 various degrees of debate around AI now. You know, it's that oh well, it's not there yet. They're saying well, it it couldn't destroy us yet. So yeah. it's like yeah, oh, stop. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, yeah, I haven't heard yet being such a big word in an awful long it's, time. You know, it, like mm-hmm. they're talking like it's inevitable that it's going to happen, and they're oh, there's nothing we can do. Well, why is there nothing we can do? Well, we have to prove that we can use the science and you know write the code, and we want to show off to everybody so it's going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like fuck me, like if you're doing it for glory, like if everyone's dead. Mm-hmm. Because of paper clips or or whatever, you know, um, <laughs> what's the point? You know, it, I don't know. It yeah. blows my mind, man. But yeah, I love that kind of um, banal apocalypse. Mm-hmm. You know, the the mm-hmm. you know, the the intergalactic highway or the or the or the paperclip or whatever. And yeah, and and there's a certain amount of bureaucracy involved in a paperclip as well. There's you know, <laughs> so there's yeah. your there's your Pratchett right there. You know, yeah. It's, um, <laughs> Love it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. But I just, yeah, I, I, it blows it blows my mind that AI has gotten to the stage. It's mm-hmm. And like we're we're talking to you today on the day Marvel's Secret Invasion came yeah. out, and it had mm-hmm. AI titles. Did you see this? Yeah, I did. I did. What? Why? Like, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny, funny, right? It's, yeah. Well, it's funny because I can, I I can see the thought process that led up to it yeah but it was just sort of like ex like executed in like a really poor way like i could yeah. kind of see the room where somebody being like oh well you know like scrolls are like shape-shifting and masquerading as humans and ai is kind of like masquerading as real art maybe we could mm-hmm. do something there but um i just don't think it was um I think like somewhere along the way they kind of lost lost the plot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I totally agree. And, uh, yeah. and I'm I'm you know I'm very uh, very against like AI kind of taking artists or like writing jobs or, or things like that. I think that um, you know I know I'm never like people talk about like oh well isn't it great because you could just 
use AI to make a comic. You don't even need to hire an artist or anything like that. And I'm like, I'm like working with other artists, working with like human artists is like half of the reason why I do it is because I love collaborating with them. And, and I love, you know, um, other people bringing their input on things. Like, you know, That's none it. of the mm-hmm. books, none of the books I've done would be the same with not only with, with even like a different artist, you know, mm-hmm. than the one I worked with much less, um, some machine it's like, and I don't want to just, you know, type something in and, and have it spit something back out at me. That's like not fun or fulfilling to me. So yeah. I, you know, Shame I mean, Marvel for doing it. I agree. It's, it's a bit early <laughs> but, for it too. Anyone yeah. I know who's who's even experimented with it now in in industry, I said it's mm-hmm. it's not quite industry standard yet. Like not not nearly there. Because as soon as you no. do an iteration got, using like, it, like you can't fingers, do any edits. You know. Well, it was amazing how quickly it fixed that as well. Right? That was that was that was great because it became a huge thing where we were all making fun of it for having seven eyes and seven fingers. And then like mm-hmm. two or three weeks later, that seemed to be an issue that was resolved. But now proportions are still out of whack. There's still things that are wrong. But yeah, like every we, every pose that every pose you ask it to do looks like static and weird because anatomy is like really complicated to get right. And yeah, um, you know, and and what it, the thing is is that like most of the stuff it's drawing on as far as like where it gets its ability to render things, mm-hmm. it's like it's you know like most like like there are like super talented artists and super talented writers out there but like but most of the stuff on the web is not very interesting or dynamic you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's like like um most like pictures of people on the internet are, are static portraits so you know like just like you know uh just their face from like the chest up and and like a kind of smile or whatever and because mm-hmm. we're not we're not all just because it's not just pulling from like you know people who do like great portrait work and great stuff like that it, it's like everybody's like selfies and things like that and it's uh so by design all the stuff that it's, it's doing is going to be like you know mediocre at best because mm-hmm. it's just sort of like averaging out like the good stuff with like a ton of like stuff that's just not you know yeah not well done yeah and these you know i don't know what you call somebody who creates this stuff because they're not artists but like mm-hmm. prompters whatever they are i don't know mm-hmm. you know form filler outers they're, they're bureaucrats they fill out forms man that's what they do it's the fucking paper clip it's coming for us right but that microsoft oh, paper clip yeah clippy yeah clippy, clippy. clippy is the, the, face, the face of the apocalypse the original ai you know yeah I see you're trying to end the universe. Um, <laughs> but like, so, so they, they, they build this stuff and it is, it's so boring. And it like early on, well, early on or last year, maybe six months ago, everybody was doing, Oh, uh, here's Fraser. If it was done by Stanley Kubrick, you know? Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Like, like, fuck off. Like, you well, know, Wes Anderson is another big one. Yeah. Yeah, because he has a very distinct visual style that it's kind of easy to, you know, um, yeah. ape, I guess. Yeah, and and Hr. Geiger, so a few a few Hr. Geiger yeah. monstrosities, more more monstrous than usual, for all the wrong reasons. But um, 
Yeah, man, I it's just like there probably is a future out there where it's a useful tool for artists to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um and maybe for writers, but I you know, I at the end mm-hmm. of the day, the the joy of creating something far far outweighs, you know, any time save you're gonna you're gonna make mm-hmm. by by you know plugging something into into a into a program. We don't we don't do this stuff you know, to be quicker. We don't do it to be more efficient. We do it because we love it. And we, mm-hmm. you know, that's like at the end of the day, like I, I get when I'm writing a comic book, you know, I get such a buzz out of it, whether it gets published or not. If if I've written this, I'm happy, you know, mm-hmm. and then and then you go on, you go on to do something with it. And, you know, the back and forth between, say, say on the odds with me and Ben has absolutely made that story one thousand percent better, better. Yeah, 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 completely. Because you get to bounce an idea around with your with your collaborator, and you know, before anything gets written, before anything gets drawn, you, you you've got a better sense of each other's take on it yeah. and where where you want to bring it, you know, collaboratively. So, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's just, it's not about feeding stuff into a machine and cranking cranking out the hamburger at the end. You know, it's it's. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's and it's really depressing if people think that's what it is. Yeah, those guys are calling themselves the artists is a bit a bit of a stretch for me. And there's a moral mm-hmm. implication here too, right? Not just with people doing that kind of stuff and ripping off other people and posing it out as their own uh, portrait or whatever, but there's also the fact that the AI itself is programmed to surprise you in a way. It wants to get a big mm-hmm. reaction from you. In order to do that, it tends to do things that are a bit off the wall, somewhat illegal to somewhat maybe a little bit morally ambiguous. And like that's that's a problem in and of itself. Like uh, we, we've heard of AI now, like um, having to pay people to come in and press buttons on the computers to make sure that it's not uh, like, you know, I am not a robot. It gets someone else to do that for it. Or there's mm-hmm. other things like where... For the capture test. Yeah, have you heard that one? Well, so people are being paid to do so, captures for AIs. Yeah, I thought I thought I thought we had actually talked about this. So, if have you heard about this, Rich? Mm, I'm not sure. Like, you mean like like the verification kind of captures? Yeah, yeah. So, it, 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 kind of like your paperclip idea. Actually, is you're you're right on the money with it. Mm-hmm. There was um, an assignment given to an AI, and part of the process to do the assignment, it was greeted with this like um, a captcha, a captcha image where like you know, try these things is proven on a robot. Traffic lights it, or whatever, yeah. Yeah, it being a yeah. robot, it couldn't mm-hmm. do it. So what it did was it went on the internet, like I don't know Craigslist or something, and got a guy to come over and press the button for him, and it had wow, some money in its wild. account. Yeah, and and it did that. Um, there's there's that's a few crazy. other things like that uh, as well, like where it's it's programmed to look for a response. So if you want yeah. some kind of image, it's it's taking from things that it knows you kind of want, but because you mm-hmm. haven't said it, because you know you have rights to this image, it'll find some version of it online and use it anyway. There there's loads of this stuff. It's 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 really sinister. Um, yeah, it's like that that immediately needs to be taken out, right? I thought we discussed it before. Sorry, I didn't mean to to throw something at you there unprepared but um, no, no, yeah no. yeah it's a strange one like it's just a really strange yeah. there is a there is a short film called Capture which is kind of like that where a really? guy yeah where a guy is struggling to prove he's human because he can't 
pass a capture test. <laughs> and it, Mild. Yeah, just check it out. It's very funny. It's called Capture. Right. But um, yeah, it it uh, uh, I won't I won't spoil it, but it's 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 really good. Yeah, he just can't get it right, you know. And he just can't pass the thing, and he, and he's like showing his buddy, and he's like, "Can you do this for me?" And yeah, it's 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 really cool. Yeah, um, but yeah, it, it like I I hope I think I think we'll cop on. I think we'll be clever enough to say, "Oh, hold on a second, whatever about what we're doing in comic books and 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 movies and TV and novels and you know, I I just don't think we're you know people are going to be replaced." whole whole yeah. sale you know i just I, I just you know you're not going to produce a piece of art that you can that will resonate with with people's hearts and minds um through mm-hmm. prompts you know um and some people like there there will always be super disposable crappy tv and 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 culture out there you know and that has a place in the world too but you know it's not gonna it, it can't it can't overtake you know the good stuff i, I just don't mm-hmm. i just don't think it it can and if it does we're, we're all doomed and we may as well just make paper clips you know <laughs> get ahead of them yeah. yeah get ahead of them is right so uh rich um if people want to find you online out and about whatever you want in the park i don't know where where are they going to find you rich uh so they i have a website uh rdirect.com and there you can sign up for my newsletter uh, where I uh, regularly uh, send out stuff about the stuff I'm working on, writing in general, comics business, like try to, you know, cover all that stuff. Um, and then on social media, I'm uh, at rduek. That's R D O U E K. Um, I'm mostly active on Twitter right now. Uh, I also have an Instagram. Um, but uh you know social media being what it is like um been kind of like trying to focus on the newsletter a little more because cool. uh there's a lot less kind of uh you know noise but I, but i but i am on there fairly regularly and uh you know anyone can feel free to follow me reach out say hi i will say hi right back and there's not a lot of rdx out there so if you see one on some random platform it's probably me um but awesome. uh, yeah and any uh, upcoming convention appearances or any plans across the summer uh, the autumn? Yeah, I'm going to be actually at San Diego Comic-Con this year. Uh, I'm not tabling, but hopefully we'll be able to set up a couple of times to uh, sign stuff with IDW. Um, and then I'll good. also be at New York Comic-Con this year because um, I'm in New York. So it's pretty easy for me to get there. Um, and it's just still kind of like working out, uh, how that's going to work, but, um, cool. But yeah, definitely be at those two. And, um, yeah. Is there a, is there a date for the trade paperback of Breath of Shadows? Uh, I'm not sure. I think it's going to be in the fall. Okay. So maybe around, um, like September, October, but don't like, don't, uh, write that down in pen because I'm not 100% sure. Okay. (laughs) I did look. Yeah, but I did look at uh, some uh, comps of it recently, like like some proofs, and it's looking looking amazing. So excellent! Can't wait for people to get a, get a hold of it. That's great. Well, thanks for joining us on the Oddspot today, Rich. It's been it's been a blast. Yeah, thanks yeah, for Have a great time. Yeah.
Thanks for joining us on The Odds Pod. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Look out for The Odds coming soon from Scout Comics. And please tell us what your favourite apocalypse is. You can find me on Twitter at Benessy. That's B-E-N-N-E-S-S-Y. And me on at Dave Hendrick. Big thanks to our producer, Adrian Carty, and we'll see you at the end of the world. 